0: Everybody, Hello. Welcome to Stand Up Tragedy, my name's Dave and I'm your host. Now what we do at Stand Up Tragedy is we invite people to stand up and do tragedy, so that's whatever tragedy means to them. So I have no idea what tragedy means to the performers who are going to perform, we're all going to find out together, so it's an exciting adventure into the dark. Because tragedy is darkness, so we should expect some tragedy. So if you're walking down the street, a tragic event might, have, might happen to you at any time, right? But tonight, we know it's definitely gonna happen in this room, there definitely will be some tragedy, some, some sad things will be talked about. But like I have said to people outside, there will also be some laughs as well as some tears because we like people to cry until they laugh and laugh until they cry at Stand Up Tragedy. And what we try to do is make a safe space to talk about unsafe things. So a little bit of sadmin before we start, before we get to the interesting acts. Um, so first of all, yes, I would like to say about our, our program this at this Fringe this year, we've got loads of exciting things happening. So if you haven't picked up a flyer from us, do pick up a flyer because that will tell you all about uh, the guest hosts we've got coming in and they're programming their own tragic lineups. We've got other shows. like I've, I've got a show called What About the Men? Mansplaining Masculinity, which I tell you what, if you think this is dark tonight and tragic tonight, that show's well dra- dark and well tragic, uh, which is on at 12.05 uh, every day at the Cabaret Voltaire. And we're also doing some... Uh, some conversations on Tuesdays in this room with some of our tragic performers. So that's the exciting stuff there. we have a Facebook uh, account so you can friend us you can make friends with the tragedy you can also like the tragedy if you like but we prefer you to make friends with the tragedy because that's kind of nicer uh, and, and kind of more useful to us <laughs> in terms of getting your attention Um. so yeah and we're also on Twitter we're at standupfortragedy and you can use the hashtag tragic moments to talk about our show or any tragic moments that happen to you at the Fringe which will be many because this is the Fringe but also some great moments I'm sure will also happen to us all um, so but yes, and also, if you can't put money in the bucket at the end, uh, a really great thing to do is to give us a review on the Ed, Fr- Ed Fringe website, only if you like it, otherwise don't waste your time. I mean, why, why would you want to do that? Um, but yeah, if you want to give us a review, that would be great, and tweet about us and all of that stuff is really helpful because we're part of the PBH Free Fringe, which means it's free for you to come in, like free at the point of, 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 of delivery. That's what we are. But if you, want, if you want to support us and you want to support the arts in general, then it's great to give some money back to the free fringe and to us, um, you know, cause it costs a lot of money to get up here even when they give you the venue for free. Um, and I, you know, I lost my job due to the cuts like a couple of years ago. And this is the second Edinburgh in a row that I've done this insane gamble. Uh, so, you know, if you, if you care about me, you don't know me, but why not care about me? I'm another human being. If you care about me, uh, give some money at the end. Um, and yeah, I mean, and, and we're in a time of tragedy for the arts generally. Um, so it's a good time to give back. I mean, not in a big society kind of way because that is bullshit, uh, but in a kind of human way, uh, give some money back. Uh, and yeah, we, will, we accept n- notes uh, and, and coins, but also notes. Um, so yes, so that is the sadmin over. Cheer for the end of the sadmin. That's good. Right, so let's get on with the show. And we're going to have our first performer coming up now. She is doing Burning Books at Chiquito at 3.40 from the 9th to the 15th of August. So get in early because she's only here for a half a run. Um, And she's... uh, Yeah, look at me, I'm a professional, right? I'm a <laughs> professional, this is how we do it. Um, yes, and the show is Burning Books, and it is great. And if you like the stuff I was just saying about the big society and all of that stuff, you'll like that show. Put your hands together, everybody, for Jess Green. <laughs> oh, cool, hello. Hello. Hi. Hi, hello. I was gonna take this yeah, off yeah, anyway, yeah, thank you very much. much. <laughs> um, cool, yes,
1: hello, I'm Jess. Um. I'm a poet, um, and my, um, like Dave was saying, my show that I brought to Edinburgh this year is um, it's called Burning Books, and it's quite focused around education. It's set in an inner city secondary school. I'm quite interested in education. Um, and kind of tying in with a the theme of, uh, of, of tragedy um, our current education secretary Nikki Morgan um, has this rhetoric that she trips out quite a lot about um, the the idea of GCSE students studying arts and humanities subjects um, she says that if you are 15 years old and you choose to study an arts and humanities subject you will be held back for the rest of your life that is a direct quote from the education secretary um, and she believes that all, all students should be studying STEM subjects so it's like science, technology, engineering maths um, because in That way you will be more valuable to society and you will earn more. And obviously, because money makes the world go round, you'll be much happier as well. Um, And I kind of think that, um, without wanting to be melodramatic about it, uh, to say that sort of thing to a 14 year old who just wants to study art because he likes art or wants to study music because she likes music is is really mean and really cruel. Um, So I wrote a poem about it and it's called uh, Held Back by Nicky Morgan. It's post-show. The lights have come up. Empty plastic wine glasses litter the floor. I'm in the bar next door trying to calm down. rein the adrenaline in. Go through the couple of mistakes I made. See how they match up to yesterday and put steps in place to rectify them for tomorrow night. And he sidles up to me with a grin. Is this your hobby or something? No, it's my job. No way, he says. You get paid for this. This is how you make a living. There are kids starving in the world and whilst we pay our taxes, you pounce about on stage his argument is nonsensical and it's flawed and it's not like i haven't heard it before it's just that this time it seems to hurt harder and sting faster because now nikki morgan has added fuel to the fire of their argument that this isn't a real job So I walk away, I swallow my reply, not thinking about the three hours I spent rehearsing that afternoon or the 90 minute tech run through this evening or the four trips to the toilets before the lights came up because I thought I might be sick. The twice weekly meetups in rehearsal rooms, the days and evenings with blank pages of frustration, the 10 minutes stolen in a school car park trying to get a piece finished for a deadline, every street run down to make the last train in time, the nights out ended early and the friends cancelled on to finish work that couldn't wait. Every funding application scrawled across and the thank you but unfortunately replies, the clock at midnight, we've still not got something, and we can agree is right or the bags under our eyes when I say let's just go through this one more time or the days disappeared into nights trying to learn it line for line and all of that for Nicky Morgan to tell me the choices I have made will hold me back for the rest of my life. Promote science, please do. And maths and technology and engineering, they're important and have their own issues but in the rare position that you hold our young people might actually listen to you. Don't write off great swathes of something so crucial to our day to day. Don't insult the teachers alongside the facts and the figures, teach the stories and the sounds and the pictures and the message. Do something you love and work hard at it, whatever it is. Don't make some broad-brush statement about arts and humanities limiting somebody's life choices. Because you're the mother of the girl at my school who said, don't go to university and study creative writing. Nobody makes a living from being a writer and end up in some dead-end job wishing you'd done maths. So she did maths and she was good at it and she became an accountant. And I saw her on a train last Tuesday and she said she earned 60 grand a year and wakes up most days fighting the urge to top herself. You're my old boss who says, well, it's a nice hobby, isn't it? But is that really how you want to spend your spare time? Getting up at five just to write anyway the bags under your eyes are affecting productivity you make it sound like something dirty to be done in garages and attic rooms the occasional rundown funding starved library not something that lets us talk down the generations and back through history from the fingerprint moulded shapes in the walls of caves to the place that brought culture to the day-to-day peasant and drunkard in the theatre pits every fear and anger fuelled war poet from charge to the light brigade to Siegfried Sassoon. how else would we have taught World War One in the days before YouTube the teenage girl terrified in a German attic room and every child who will empathy from a book that teaches strength and courage against the worst of enemies, the poem that attacks a stuck-up out-of-touch politician and the pints raised in recognition of the stories told by folk musicians, the boy wrapped up in autism who struggles to communicate through emotion but can tell you how he feels, the colour and sound, or the refugee too scared to speak who finds words on the lips of hip-hop artists, begins writing her own lyrics and discovers what her art is. Don't belittle this. By all means, stand at your lectern and spout the opinions you think will win you votes like they all do but don't fearmonger and don't guilt trip. Don't tell the 14-year-old with a form to fill in that if you love what you do, there is ever any reason to stop doing it. Thank you. Thank you. Um, So I'm gonna just do one more piece. Um, I forgot that when uh, Dave asked me to do this gig, I promised to bring uh, my whole band along. um, And I just remembered now, um, and and luckily uh, Scott, who is my guitarist, um, did have his guitar. So we're going to do quite a sort of a stripped back version of of one of the pieces from the show. Cool. He only found out about this like seven minutes ago. So... (laughs) He's been told to shadow me. And see, I've never really been sure what that means. Like one step behind in the dark, I don't like it. I ask him if he wants to lead his own activities and he seems keen, really keen. But most of the time he is stumbling blindly, unprepared and at pains not to show it to me. And this morning he's given them a task to set a scene. And there's this girl dressed in pink who's stressed a week how much she hates sports. She just wants to play the violin, and that's fine, because it's summer. And this room is classroom dark, but this is meant to be the opposite of school, and she's enjoyed it. From day one, when she came in with attitude like a cricket back to the face, but now she is easy and loose, she's written out every argument she's never had with her mum. She's grinning and scribbling to the final seconds when I say, look, we've really got to go now. No, Miss, please, just listen to this last bit. See, I found a way to say it, and she has. So I do and we sit that way every day until her phone beeps reminding her she has got friends outside and things to do that aren't this because it's summer and she is dressed like every day is a scene from Stand By Me and the things she says oh god I wish that was the way my brain still behaved because she's excited by every hour nothing's been tainted her tummy never knots for very long she's oblivious to the bad days when it hurts so blunt and raw it's just easier to be asleep but that's not yet. Because right now, she believes that she can be anything and God don't need to tell kids more often you can do anything. But this afternoon, she's got to do this task she's been given by him. See, he's told her she's got to describe a football match. I can't. She's back to day one, stubborn and stressed, heels dug in concrete. You can, he says. I can't. You can, he says. Just right from your soul. Her soul. She is 13. She likes music, tree climbing, and One Direction. And even in the depths of my soul, which I think has a little bit more experience than hers, I cannot find one ounce of inspiration that makes one to map out the intricacies of Leicester's Walker Stadium. But he thinks he's convinced her turns his back on the shutters she's pulled down and says to the boy next to her in a entirely different tone of voice, bruv, you gotta describe the Rio Olympics. Yeah, says the boy, copying his shoulder shrugs and back slaps. Yeah, he says, imagine it. The heat, the girls, the female runners with their bouncing tits, those bums and breasts and hot pants drenched and clenched in sweats. And now they are shouting. They are whooping, coughing, whistling, high-fiving, and this goes on for minutes. For minutes and minutes minutes and her eyes meet mine her pen is down She has written a few lines see she's actually tried to describe this place she has never even seen or smelled or dreamt of in the air it is aggressive it's brick hard and his female supervisor is laughing along catching every word and the boy he has completely forgotten his task too wrapped up and excited about being part of this bonding camaraderie yeah he says like you know when she wants it because she's wearing that all short and shaking it And me and her, we are the only ones not speaking. I've lost the volume, like that dream when someone grabs you and you're screaming, but there's nothing but silence in your mouth, and I want to shout I am sorry. I don't all see you like this. Yes, some of them do. And that is why we chip away, we fight this every fucking day, but I don't think there is nothing more to you than this. don't think your flesh is where it stops. But she is roadblocked. She has stopped and looked around, and now she is looking down, saying, well, I only wore this because I wanted to be comfy. I only wore this because I wanted to climb that tree on Belgrave Park and my friends got to the top of. I only wore this because it was the quickest thing to get off so I could be first in the pool. Thank you.
0: Cheers, Green, everybody. Brilliant. Okay, right, but it's great because I've just seen our, our next act, so I know he's here, and that's always good. Right, so our next performer, is doing Leopard Optera, yep. thanks for that, uh, at uh, 4.45 at the Globe Bar. I saw it the other day, right, and it was a really, really funny, clever, brilliant show, so I really recommend it. 9th till the 29th uh, of August, which lots of days off, so check no, before... No Wednesdays. No Wednesdays, ah. I get confused when I see these notes. Uh, yeah, uh, right, good. This is a good way of introducing people, right? This is kind of tragic, so it kind of works for the night. Right, put your hands together, everybody, for James
2: Ross! Thank you, sir. thank you. Oh, goodness, um, I should mention in advance that I am supposed to be a comedian, ladies and gentlemen, just in case that doesn't come across. That That is the intention of the just yeah, anyway. uh, yes. So um, you know, it's a real pleasure to be here, ladies and gentlemen, back at Stand Up Tragedy, because you know I go up and down the country doing g- gigs in all of these places, and uh, you know, and uh, you know, the best gigs, ladies and gentlemen, are as beautiful and uh, fascinating and distinctive as a first-year humanities undergraduate believes his opinions. And, uh, and this is very much one of those gigs, so it's, it's a real pleasure to be back. Um, yes. So um, I have a, a bit of a tragic tale for you, ladies and gentlemen. Ah. Oh. Oh, yes, it's a one-man panto. It's going to be great. <laughs> uh, yes. Um, now, um, it has been said, uh, ladies and gentlemen, um, that, that every man has his price. Uh, and I happen to know exactly what mine is. Uh, I hesitate to ask, but any guesses? <laughs> no pounds. Great. Fine. I'm fine with that. Uh, not a problem. Um, now, um, a little bit of information uh, before we begin, ladies and gentlemen. Now, I am I am I am quite left-wing. I may have picked up on that already, as I wear the, obviously, I wear the tweed jacket, commonly associated with fascism. Um, but, uh, yes, uh, just to clarify on this, I'm your proper old-school, classical kind of left-wing. Like, none of this pusillanimous, liberal, ethical shopping-saves-the-world kind of nonsense. Like, I'm the kind of left-wing where if I tell you I'm going to treat you like a princess, it means I'm going to have your family murdered in a railway siding east of Moscow, and your land's expropriated in the name of the people. Like, it's that, that sort of left-wing. Um, sorry if that's a uh, uh, topical. Uh, it's just... Uh, is it too soon? I don't know. Uh, it's uh, anyway, um, and, uh, this is tricky. Anyway, and this is a tale of heartbreak, ladies and gentlemen, but I would like to assure you that it does have a happy ending. Uh, I myself am, am very much in love uh, with the beautiful Australian woman uh, who is uh, caring and uh, thoughtful uh, and, uh, like uh, most vertebrates from her continent, venomous. Um, and, uh, and the young lady who is the subject of this tale and the former object of my affections is, uh, is very happily settled uh, with the professional chocolatier. Uh, who I can only assume is someone who defends the 17th century French monarchy with chocolate rather than muskets. Um, oh, um, now, um, this tale takes place around five years ago, ladies and gentlemen. Wibbly, 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 wibbly. Ah, oh, flashback in time. Ah, oh, it's 2010. Oh, I hope the Olympics uh, run to budget and uh, not incredibly disappointing. Ah, oh, I hope there's a legacy. Ah, oh. uh, here we are, 2010. Oh, as a pop culture reference. There's another one. um and uh, <laughs> Uh, five years ago, ladies and gentlemen, I found myself uh, going out with a, a charming young lady. Now, that in itself not a novelty, uh, though I may look like the toy surprise you'd get if you cracked open Brian Blessed like a kinder egg. Uh, I, 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 I need to stop telling jokes about my appearance. They just make me sad. Um... <laughs> Uh, You know, I'm I'm not not entirely without my appeal, although selective as it is. Um, But what was you? What was you, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen? What was this young lady was rich. And by rich, I mean like crazy rich, like insanely rich, like the kind of rich that only just understands what a pie is. Um, And has to have to explain that it's basically just a quiche with a hat, like it's that. (laughs) That's sort of rich, ladies and gentlemen. Now, um, you know, those of you with ears and knowledge will have picked up by this point that I I myself am quite middle class. Let's not beat around the bush here, ladies and gentlemen. I am incredibly middle class. I I am so middle class, I once genuinely, true story, turned down the very kind offer of a threesome because I genuinely thought it more polite to cue, okay? I cry out Mornington Crescent at the moment of climax. Like, it's really middle class. How else will people know I've won? The um So, um, yes. But, um you know, and, like, because uh, I'm from a-, a town called Wilms, though, ladies and gentlemen, um, and um, it's kind of up north. It's kind of like North Cheshire, South Manchester kind of area. Has anyone heard of it at all? And, uh, for those of you who haven't, like, um, it's kind of, you know, a lot of comedians have a go at where they grew up and say, like, oh, this place, ah oh, it's a shithole, oh. um But, you know, I won't. Like, you know, uh, my hometown's quite nice, you know? bit dull bit tacky in places but you know like leafy like pleasant like to give you an illustration it's the kind of place where the shit man united players live like it's that sort of a place um, and uh, i mean you know, people tend to forget that there's a middle class in the north i mean there isn't any more, obviously because i've left but um <laughs> you do what you can um, and uh, when i was growing up you know i uh, i thought my, my family and i were quite prosperous you know doing, doing quite well um but as soon as you move down to london like the, the scales for this sort of thing the goalposts just shift massively uh, like, like when I was growing up, it was considered you know quite impressive uh, to say, "Ah, oh, yes, yes, no, we've uh, we uh, just uh, been uh, on holiday to the south of France for a couple of weeks." Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty good. But in order to kind of elicit the same reaction on London scales, you have to go, "Ah, oh, yes, yes, yeah, now we uh, we owned the south of France for a couple of weeks." Yes, <laughs> yes, and uh, hunted our fellow man for sport. Um, it's sport and uh, long pig ivory. Yes, yes, uh, Simpkins. Yes, yes. Release the dogs. Yes, yes. The diamond dogs. Yes. Yes, and fetch me my Bowie knives. Yes. You're ahead of me. Yes, the ones made of real David Bowie. So it's um. He better not die this fringe. I am so screwed. Um, <laughs> Um, but um, but um, this is the thing. Like I had, I had no idea that this young lady uh, was uh, this rich uh, when we first started going out. Like we just sort of met through mutual friends, and it was like a nice thing, you know. It was just sort of like, ah, oh, you seem nice. Ah, oh, you seem nice as well. No, you seem like you have many fine qualities. Ah, oh, you seem like you have many fine qualities as well. Shall we nuzzle each other adorably like two Shetland ponies that have mistaken each other's faces for nosebags? <laughs> yes, yes we shall. <laughs> mwah, mwah, mwah it was adorable anyway (laughs) um, the the day I discovered that my own sexuality was a powerful source of comedic disgust was a happy one indeed ladies and gentlemen Um, there we go uh, male heterosexuality. The, the, you're only non threatening when you're humorous. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. So, um, this is the thing. So, like I said, no idea. That, but, I, you know, we've been going out for a couple of weeks, ladies and gentlemen, like an invitation to pop around her place, just kind of nipping in on the way to the park. And her house was, um, she lived in what can only be described as a mansion uh, opposite one of these country's most prominent public schools. Um, now, a brief note at this point, ladies and gentlemen, about her parents, uh, who were the source of all of this wealth. Um, uh, uh, her father was um, a big noise in. Uh, uh, commercial property. And without wishing to get too bogged down into exactly what that means, it could be briefly summarized as the problem. Um, and her mother, uh, her mother, it does get worse, her mother was a senior civil servant under Margaret Thatcher, ladies and gentlemen. <sighs> yes, quite. Um, which meant that the first thing that I saw when I walked into the mansion was partway up the stairs, a massive blown-up photograph, this big by this big, of the infant, my then-girlfriend, in the arms of Margaret Thatcher, and <laughs> It was the most powerfully unerotic sight I had ever seen in my entire life, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. And I'm admitting I experienced an inverse erection so powerful, my penis retracted into my thorax, went all the way up my spine, knocking out my eardrums, leaving a hammer and villain strip dangling on the outside like the grimmest poppy reindeer antlers you can possibly imagine. Now, well, I'm, um, I'm normally pretty good with the mums, ladies and gentlemen. You know, I'm polite. You know, I'm charming I, I know I, I wear a waistcoat to conceal the fact that I've literally never ironed. Um <laughs> <laughs> <warm>. uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, show my arms It's the hedge section of my and my breasts. And um <laughs> Those my a cups. So um uh, does that. Uh yes, I'm normally pretty good with the mums. You know, I'm uh, polite and charming etc. and I'm not above a little bit of a mm, squeeze of the knee under the table. Uh you know, uh, receiving d- or, or giving. But um I knew that this one would be a challenge ladies and gentlemen. I knew this one would be a challenge. But I did my best. You know, and I, I politely smiled and nodded my way through half an hour's worth of conversation about how urban foxes were essentially the 11th plague visited by God upon man. And yes, yes, they probably are in league with the gypsies, yes, yes, and Heather is a very lesbian flower. And it was, um, I it, oh, two minutes you say, right, well. If you want to hear the real ending of this story, you're going to have to come and see my show. I will try and rather do this as quickly as I can. Uh, But I thought I'd done quite well, ladies and gentlemen. I thought I'd done quite well. acquitted myself admirably. How wrong I was, ladies and gentlemen, how wrong I was. Because over the course of the next few weeks, my then girlfriend was taken on a variety of fancy shopping trips to a variety of fancy shopping places and bought a variety of fancy shopping things. Perhaps you would like this dress made of caviar. Hmm. Isn't that an incredibly impractical material for a dress? Yes. Yes, it is. Why do I smell like fish eggs? Yes. Yes, you will, but also money. Mm. Or perhaps you would like this super yacht made of slightly less super yachts. And then, after tea, they adjourned to a rich people's tea room, and they sat there stirring whatever it is that rich people stir into their tea, like the blood of the workers, presumably. And over, <laughs> and over tea, ladies and gentlemen, over tea it was gently broached by my then girlfriend's mother to my then girlfriend. You know, perhaps mm, that James, maybe you should. Mm, he's a bit mm, scruffy. Maybe you should mm, break up with him. Asper, no, rich people, dicks. Maybe we should burn them all. Anyway, uh, yes. But, you know, to her credit, ladies and gentlemen, to her credit, my then-girlfriend stood up proudly in the name of, I mean, maybe not quite love at that point, but certainly mild affection and sexual adequacy. I make no bolder claims. And, um, and refused. And this process of shopping-based attrition continued for, for a number of weeks, ladies and gentlemen, until, that is, her father got involved. Now, now, some disproving fathers ladies and gentlemen might attempt to dissuade an unwanted suitor with uh, a challenge of fisticuffs or pistols at dawn others might offer a full and frank exchange of views still others including those who are shall we say more commercially minded might offer financial incentives now would that he had offered me money ladies and gentlemen would that he had offered me money because i love money you can exchange it for goods and services, and I bloody love goods and services. Some of my favorite things are goods and services, but no. No, he was a wise man. He knew full well that if he'd bought off one suitor, he'd have to buy off the next, and the next, and the next. And who is to say that he would always be successful? Who is to say that the next charming young man dressed like a, a strategically-shaped King Charles Spaniel would not swoop in? Uh, with a young person's welcome and two return tickets to Gretna Green and steal his daughter's love away from him. No, no. He he knew, he knew, he knew, he knew, he knew that we would make a decisive move, yes. If I may, on behalf of all um, unwanted suitors everywhere, paraphrase the IRA in the wake of the Brighton bombing of 1984, the attempted assassination of Margaret Thatcher, we would only have to be lucky once. He would have to be lucky every time. Now, that is not too soon. If anything, it's 35 years too late. Now, it was at this point, ladies and gentlemen, that he played his most audacious gambit, yes. Put it all on red. And he offered, in exchange for, for breaking up with me, ladies and gentlemen, he offered to buy his daughter a flat. A, f- a flat in Zone One, central London, ladies and gentlemen. 24 <laughs> hour concierge service, views of the river. I mean, the views of the river are presumably 24 hours a day as well, otherwise, it's a bit of a waste. And a flat, ladies and gentlemen, worth £400,000. We split up shortly afterwards, what I'm assured are entirely unrelated reasons. Um, But you know, this all happened five years ago, ladies and gentlemen, and I don't know if you've been paying attention to central London property prices over the last five years, but they've gone up a bit. Which means that at current market rates, uh, the uh, opportunity cost of having regular and emotionally fulfilling sex with this is about 750,000 (laughs) pounds. And rising. That's what happens, ladies and gentlemen. If your sweet, sweet loving is considered a safe haven asset class by Russian oligarchs, ladies and gentlemen. I've been James Ross. Thank you very much. Good night. Cheers. <laughs> James Ross, everybody.
0: Okay. So our next performer, she's got a show called Ollie and Susie's. New Year's Shindig and that's on at 4 30 at the South Sider from the 9th to the 29th of August. She's really good, she's a comedian. We have to go for Susie steve Thanks. Thanks everyone.
3: So thanks. I really like the concept of this show, of Stand Up Tragedy. Um, I did it last year and I just basically thought of all the worst things that happened to me and told everyone them. But I thought, this time I'll do a bit lighter. So I'll do some jokes and stuff I'm like, trying to be a comedian. So, um, right. That was a... Yeah, I'm going to talk about some tragedy, and like some death later, but I'm going to start off lighter. So don't think about death now. <laughs> don't think about it. You're not thinking about it. Good. Right. <laughs> Uh, that was a bad instruction, um, I'll introduce myself properly. Um, I'm Susie, uh, I look vegetarian. Um, <laughs> which might seem like a weird intro, but I tried Tinder and I genuinely put that as my one sentence about myself. I put, I look vegetarian, but I eat meat. <coughs> and I thought, <clears throat> that would make me sound fun. Uh, guys, on Tinder thought, sounded like filth. Uh, so <laughs> I did give of messages. Uh, but then I thought, i tried da- a nicer dating website. So I tried um, Guardian Soulmates. I don't know if you're familiar with that um, dating website. The premise is, um, it's called Guardian Soulmates, and it's basically for Guardian readers. Um, I was like, I'm not sure if this is quite right for me, because um, I'm not sure if I've got a soul. <laughs> but anyway, I want to keep this bit light, so let's not talk about my soul. Let's talk about um, sloths, right? Um, you know sloths, the monkey thing? yeah right did you know that sloths move really slowly in the wild so moss grows on top of the sloths and then moths land in the moss on the sloths right so it's yeah it's sloths and moss and moths
4: <laughs> <laughs>
3: enjoying it like no some people aren't sure like this I haven't made, it's not a joke this is a fact right if you haven't got my voice is going a bit because I've been celebrating your year a lot but if you need it, if you didn't get it, sloths, you got the sloths. Um, it's also moths, the insect, and moths, the fungi, right? I told my friend, he's like, yeah, sloths are moths, believable. Sloths are moths, like, moths, like, what? What are the moths doing there? Do the moths like eat the moths? Yes, the moths eat the moths but then the moths kind of eats the moths because the moths decompose and they rot into the moths and then the sloths, they eat the kind of mossy, moffy broth. Um, <clears throat> I'm getting too bogged down in details. What, like, matters? you don't need all the details if you want to know more then just find me on Guardian Soulmates put some pictures there explained it all (laughs) Uh, (laughs) but yeah I should talk about something else Uh, but it would be cool to have a sloth right Um, or a boyfriend Uh, (laughs) but um uh, I've sort of come out of quite a long term relationship and um I still sort of miss a few things about my ex boyfriend like um he was kind of good at doing impressions of owls um has this happened to you, right? Uh, Where well, you start with a pet name, but you end up with like a mascot for your relationship. So like, he, he was the owl, and I've got all this owl memorabilia now. Like I've got owl cuddly, owl cuddly toys, owl cushions, owl cars, a big owl mirror, owl sort of pepper shakers. And like, that sounds cute, but my pet name was Mouse. And like, owls are mouses, right? In the wild, owls eat mice for breakfast, and not in the good way.
2: <laughs>
3: and, like, oh, but I still, you know, I still, you know, it wasn't a great relationship in some ways, but I still write to him and I email him, like, he's an owl. So I'll be like, um, hi, owl. Um, he's moving flats. So I'm like, have you found a new little owl box for an owl sanctuary? Um, <laughs> will you pay the mouse about the thousand pounds you owe her?
4: <laughs>
0: so just the cute,
3: cute little things like that. Um, <laughs> But I thought, maybe I'm not ready for another relationship. Maybe I'll just get some pets. So I got some pet moths. And um, <laughs> they didn't come with sloths, sadly. Um, but they're okay. I'm kind of getting on the right with them. Like, they, um, they ate my really expensive jumper. But then they boycotted all my clothes from Primark. So I was like, oh, I get you guys. Only fair trade.
0: <laughs>
3: Good on the moths. Um, and I'm glad the moths are speaking up against sweatshops. Because I was talking about this on a date the other day, actually. Well, I called it a date. The guy called it a lecture. Uh, but he basically offered me Toblerone. I was like, well, I don't eat Toblerone, because I saw this petition about them, because they use like, really bad like, modern slave-like conditions on their, f- on their cocoa farms. He was like, oh, I didn't know that. What is it about pyramids that attract slaves?
4: <laughs> yeah, I don't
3: want to joke about slavery. I'll talk about something else, something a bit lighter now. Um, talk about death. Um, I feel we're not good at talking about death, right? I feel like, I mean, uh, so, for example, when my dad died a few years ago, I felt like I couldn't talk about it to people. I felt almost like I was wearing a Mexican sombrero. Um, that's what they say about bereavement. It's like wearing a Mexican sombrero, is the old saying. I don't know if I'm this properly. It's not like a happy sombrero. It's like a barrier because people don't know what to say. So they kind of stop and, the, you know, they might get poached in the eye of a tassel or something from your sombrero of sadness. Um... And, like, so you just have to keep busy. You organise, like, a funeral, a little death party, everyone comes. But they still don't know what to say. They say the sandwiches are nice, that sort of thing. And I think the problem is we get, you know, I got a lot of cards, sympathy cards. But the cards I got, they were, you know, they are all like, oh, I'm sorry about your loss. But I wanted a, a sympathy card that said, I'm sorry about your guilt, you know. And, like, inside the card, maybe it could it could have said something like, um, yeah, you should have been nice to your dad when he was alive, shouldn't you, you bitch?
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> but I didn't get any cards like that. Uh, The tragedy bits come in now. you can spot it, you've all spotted it. But anyway, I think the problem is, like, the reason I felt guilty when my dad died was that I think we're sort of given this image of perfect families all the time. Like, um, we've had Father's Day quite recently, and I think all the Father's Day cards are, like, you know, to, like, you know, you see the cards, and they're, like, you know, to the most awesome, awesome dad in the world, and then inside the card, it's, like, from the most brilliant daughter in the world, you know? Like, where are the cards for the mediocre dads and the kind of average daughters? Where are those Father's (laughs) Day cards? Um... So I thought I'd mock one up. So I've just got an example one. I haven't got the best, the card would, the image would be different just to what I had lying around at home. So I think a Father's Day card, um, this has got an owl on, uh, ignore the owl. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it would be like, it would have to say manly on, like not an owl, like maybe like, you know, a heart, ta- like heart attack or stress or testicular cancer, something manly, so really masculine. Um, and then inside the card, it would say something like, um, happy Father's Day, ignore <laughs> the owl. <laughs> happy Father's Day. You're a great dad because you're kind. But it's a shame Father's Day cards mirror gender roles that are a social construct. They're not relevant in the 21st century. It's really distracting the owl, isn't it? But that's because we have an economic system that breaks down people's confidence and then sells them back repackaged into a greetings card that doesn't reflect reality. Happy Father's Day! (laughs) (laughs)
2: It's
3: a bit wordy, but that's the idea, right? Um, I just feel like everything's so commercial nowadays. Like, you know, like I saw for sale, actually, um, like designer vaginas... And I was like, I've already got one. I'm not using the one I've got very much.
2: Don't need an upgrade.
3: But I don't know, like, I even actually saw, I like, researched it because I was a bit shocked by this. And what it can mean is you can actually get like labiaplasty where you get your lady flaps made like symmetrical, which I just think is a bit unnecessary, right? You know, your labia are like your children. They can be a bit different. You can love them both the same. This is quite a change in tone from deaf to labia, but I'm going to keep going here with it, right? Like, I just think it's unnecessary. Like, I think we should say no to labiaplasty. Like, you know, mine aren't exactly the same, right? Larry, that's my left one. Uh, <laughs> he's never been quite such a high flyer as Layla. Um, it's my right labia, you know. But I'm not going to have a go at Larry, you know. I'm not going to say, come on, Larry, be more like your sister. Come on, Larry, get a haircut, put a shirt on, tuck yourself in. <laughs> Oh dear, I feel like I can't leave like, a tragedy on a lady pun, but that was kind of my last thing. Um, so it's been really lovely, you've all been really great. Um, <laughs> if you want to know more about me or about Larry, then you can come to my uh, Edinburgh show, uh, which is a New Year's Eve party on every day. And um, if you, you know, come tomorrow, we're celebrating New Year. Come the next day, we're still celebrating New Year, get the idea. Um, and thanks very much everyone, I've been Susie Steed.
0: Susie <laughs> <laughs> Steed, everybody okay so yes wow our next performer is also arriving on this is like it's like an exciting exciting night where everyone's like arriving just before their sets which is brilliant uh yeah so our next performer she is doing a really great show called asking night nicely at uh, six forty-five at the pilgrim um and that's from the 9th to the 29th, I think, of, of August. You should definitely go and see that show because I, I saw it last year and it's 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 really good. And uh, I'm going to talk about my show a little bit later on. And I mentioned it earlier on, but it's kind of like like sh- she's doing like for women, what I'm trying to do for men in some ways uh, with her show, so you should definitely go and see it. Uh, that means nothing to all of you, doesn't it? That's a, gr- a great plug, isn't it? Oh, a show I don't know, and another show I don't know. Uh, yeah, that's how they, yeah, That's how I like to introduce people, you know, just like make it really rubbish, uh, and then bring them up on stage. So we have to get everybody for Hannah Huntsman! Hello and apologies to whoever I just knocked on my way in,
4: sorry. <laughs> Uh, yeah, come on. I like to wave my arms around a bit. Right. Who here's got a sibling? Yeah. I can't yeah. see your hands at all. Yeah. Cheer. <laughs> Who here's got a sibling?
0: <laughs> Who here's
4: had to share a room with the bastard? Yeah. Cool. Masking tape marks the boundary. Yellowed cream on brown carpet. I decorated it with felt tips badly. This line draws the battle lines. This line you will not cross. This line I will defend with fists and feet, claws and teeth. Your bit is bigger. The rest of the room, demilitarised, lego-strewn, is larger still. I've left you all that. I'm being the reasonable one. And if you step over my line, I will kill you. (laughs) When we fight, I don't feel the blows my only thought every time is frustration that I do not have the strength to inflict the damage I want (laughs) if I was strong enough I would tear out hair and scalp bite out chunks of flesh I would hobble you humble you if I was strong enough you'd finally see I am one to be feared but my only thought Every time is frustration. I am plastic safety scissors when I want to be a sword. I am plastic safety scissors when I want to be a sword. I am plastic safety scissors when I want to be a sword. I need to be, I need to be, I need to be a sword. If I were loud enough, I would shout you down. Tantrum tick or TV, if you talked over me, I would shriek sonic boom. you whimpered and ran if I were bold enough I wouldn't care about their disapproval that I am the normal one that I should know better an ounce less self-respect and I could match you I would yell and hit and get away with it like you do it's only fair anyway you're older if I were powerful enough I would have high walls built of solid granite. Nothing less than a system of space-age airlocks and medieval drawbridges to decide who can come in and who is kept out. But masking tape marks the boundary. Yellowed cream on brown carpet. I decorated it with felt tip badly. This line draws the battle lines. This line you will not cross. This line I will defend with fists and feet, claws and teeth cats allowed in I like her (laughs) anyway she's a girl no boys allowed (laughs) so my name's Hannah and I've got some issues (laughs) how you doing so I'm doing a show all about permission and how and why and where we ask for permission and whether we feel confident and entitled or like we don't deserve and we don't belong but I do that every day so at six forty-five at Pilgrim therefore I'm doing different shit right now <laughs> um, so for stand-up tragedy I may as well start with a sad thing my cat died in June um, and because I'm a 20 something and I don't have my own place I had to pay someone over a hundred quid to burn my dead cat because I don't have a garden to put her in myself and the box that I'd impulse bought at a market became the casket and it was very weird with lots of phone calls and lots of money around my little bastard um... and then this happened I have good news and bad news the good news is that there is an afterlife and pets get there too the bad news is that in that afterlife there is really mawkish poetry dear pet crematorium guy can you please thank you for returning my cat's ashes along with a candle and a single white flower that was a nice touch however I do have some questions about the poetry dear pet crematorium guy can you please talk me through the four poems you gave me three of them apparently written by my dead cat two of them addressing me as mum Dear pet crematorium guy, I am no one's mum. I've had some wild nights in my time, but I do not recall ever giving birth to a cat. <laughs> I've racked my brains, but I think I would remember. Dear pet crematorium guy, I never knew my cat could speak English. If I'd known she understood me all along, I'd have called her nicer things than munchkin bastard face and Fuzzbutt. <laughs> Dear Pet Crematorium Guy, I run poetry workshops. If I'd known it was a budding poet sleeping next to my pillow every night, I'd have given her some advice in amongst the chin scratches. Dear Pet Crematorium Guy, why was she holding out on me this whole time? Dear Pet Crematorium Guy, are you sure this is from her? Only I think her scansion would be better. Dear Pet Crematorium Guy, it hurts that she chose to communicate from beyond the grave in Comic Sans (laughs) Dear Pet Crematorium Guy Why is my dead cat writing to tell me to be strong? She knows I'm strong. I can open all the doors and tins she could only claw at (laughs) Dear Pet Crematorium Guy, you do not know me You do not know my cat All you know about her is her name and that she was a cat. All you know about me is my name and that I used to have a cat (laughs) dear pet crematorium guy you probably mean well but you are out of your depth dear pet crematorium guy you just bought a Clinton's card to a knife fight that's right a knife fight if you'd known me or my cat you would know she was fierce I remain fierce and the soft underbelly of our bond was something earned over time Not everyone gets to pet its perfect fur. Some bastards will get slashed for trying. Our bond was built in claws, swearing, grudging mutual respect and time. She was a crabby traumatized old lady. I was a young idiot who didn't know what I'd taken on. Across four years, four homes and 14 different housemates, she unfurled in my care. I grew up in hers. We curled up asleep against each other, against the world, every night. Dear Pet Crematorium Guy, thank you for the suggestion, but I do not need to look for my cat in the first ray of sunshine, or in the smile on a baby, or in the cool, clear water on a quiet pond. (laughs) Dear Pet Crematorium Guy, why the fuck would my cat be in a pond? (laughs) Dear pet crematorium guy, let's stick to our real jobs. I am no one's mum. My cat was not a poet. You are not a spirit medium. Dear pet crematorium guy, I paid you to burn my cat's remains, not do a ventriloquist routine with her memory. Dear pet crematorium guy, my gorgeous monster isn't here to vomit anymore, but I may do it for her.
0: So, yeah, I was, it was a little bit misleading what, even what I said when I was introducing her because her show is much funnier and inverse uh, than mine. So, yeah, but I think in some ways they're counterpoints. Now, as I said earlier, on, I'm going to be the last act. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, get, get, get ready for some awkward because I like a bit of awkward because that's all I can really do in life um but yes um so yeah um the show i'm doing is called what about the men mansplaining masculinity and it's on at uh, 1205 every day uh until the uh, apart from mondays so stay off tomorrow don't come then uh yeah i got a cabaret voltaire and it's kind of like about you know how patriarchy hurts men and how men hurt people as a result of patriarchy uh which means it's actually too tragic for this show Um it's actually like too dark for this show and too kind of like I mean, it just needs a lot more context to really get to those dark places than I feel comfortable with today. So I'm going to do some old material that's more fun than that. So yeah, that's good. Um, but uh, it's on my iPhone. It's going to be like awkward, like walking around trying to get the right track and stuff. Uh, and also, I've amazingly managed to like write the set list of like the of the show on the back of my my words in a really, really dark pen that's come through. Uh, so I can't necessarily read them. So look forward to some exciting stuff now, guys. It's going to be great. Um, so yes. For First thing first, uh, get out of the other playlist and get to the right playlist. Uh, Yeah, this is slick, this is slick. And this is what you expect from a true professional like me, who likes to do professional things. Right, right, where is it? Okay, good, yes, you can all hear me. Oh, it's not just in my head, this voice. Good, right, okay. Well, it's good. To, it's good to do. is like make lots of track lists uh, in your in your phone, and then have to scroll through them in front of a load of people. I, I advise it actually, especially if you want to like really embody the the meaning of your own show and make it really tragic. Ah, oh, there it is. That is good. Right. So yeah, uh, who likes Rihanna? i that, that was not as warm a reception for Rihanna as I expected, um, but that's okay. I love uh, Rihanna. Well, I love some of Rihanna's stuff. Not every single thing. I'm picky like that. But this uh, this is this uh, thing I'm going to do for you now is a reinterpretation of this song uh, "Diamonds" by Rihanna. Who, who knows? Who knows that song? Yeah. Yeah. Now I want to make it clear before I start doing this that this is not parody. I love Rihanna and I love this song, uh, so this is not me like taking the piss out of Rihanna. This is me uh, telling you what I hear when I hear the lyrics of the of Diamonds by Rihanna. This is this is what I think about. Um, and this, this kind of tells you a little bit about why I would make a show called Sound of Tragedy as well. Uh, right. Oh, wrong one. <laughs> okay. Is, there, is the sound even coming through? That's I'll start again so I've got the right. Um, There we go. Okay. Shine bright like a diamond. Diamonds can't shine, they can only reflect the light from outside them. Find light in a beautiful sea you can't have light in the sea or at least inside the sea it's light inside the sea is very rare fire in the sea goes out i choose to be happy now this is explicitly the tragedy of the song because she chooses to be happy and in that moment and ignore the impossibility of their love ever functioning practically you and i you and i we're like diamonds in the sky now there are no diamonds in the sky This means they're like an impossible thing. Their love is based on fantasy and not on reality. You're a shooting star, I see. It's a particularly sad line because it means that he is so very far away, visible but impossibly distant. He would disappear soon, in a flash. A vision of ecstasy. The love they're feeling is heightened as if they're on the drug ecstasy, or as she mentions later, Molly, as it's called these days. It is based on real feelings. The love they have is real. They do connect, but they are only seeing the brightest parts of it. All the darkness is obscured. They are idealizing themselves and each other. And so it's even sadder when she says that she only really feels alive when he's holding her. She only really feels alive in the arms of an impossible love. And then she repeats, we are like diamonds in the sky. They're like something that is not real. There there are no diamonds in the sky. There are stars. They sometimes look like diamonds. Maybe she is thinking of the stars. I knew that we'd become one right away. The thing is, we can't ever become one. Two humans will remain, two humans, no matter how hard they try to press against each other. We are always still trapped inside our own minds. Oh, right away, she wants to lose herself quickly. I think I can understand that. To want to disappear completely, but you never really can. This is the heart page. At first sight, she felt the the light of this energy of the sun rays. And that's the thing. Stars look like diamonds in the sky, but stars are suns. And if you close your eyes, you are nowhere near the sun. You can't even look into the sun. I saw the life inside your eyes. She saw the life inside his eyes, past tense. And whose life did she see? His, her own, a dream of the life that she'll live? We're like diamonds in the sky. We're an imposter. Thing. We're like diamonds in the sky. We're an impossible thing. You can join in now. We're like diamonds in the sky. We're an impossible thing. We're like diamonds in the sky. We're an impossible thing. We're like diamonds. It's a podcast too. I didn't even mention that in my introduction. Diamonds in the sky. We're an impossible thing in the sky we're an impossible thing I can't see you all but I think you're feeling it so bad in the sky we're an impossible thing the last bit was slick the rest of it questionable so yeah that's what happens when you can't read the words the next thing I'm going to do is a song uh, and then that'll be the end of my set um and this song now First of all, I got to find it. This is so slick, so slick today. Right, found it. Okay, so who knows what platform game is? few people know what a platform game is, but quite a few people didn't. I thought this was a universal reference, but it isn't. So I I discovered I need to explain it. So yeah, a platform game is a computer game where you have a little character that jumps up around on platforms. For example, uh, Super Mario or Sonic the Hedgehog. So uh, so yes, uh, so now you know what it is. Uh, Does uh, does people have a favorite uh, platform game character? Anybody got one? Alex Alex the Kid, that's a good one. That's a good one. Anybody else? No, a very unplatform game pl- playing crowd. Good job I'm singing a song about one. Uh, right, so what I want you to do now is I want you to, even if you don't have a favorite platform game character, just imagine Sonic or, or Mario, they're the obvious ones. Um, so yeah, um, Sonic's obviously better, but Mario's pretty cool too. Anyway, uh, so this is a song about the last ever platform game character. So I want you to close your eyes for a moment and when you open them up. When you see me, I will no longer be me, I will be that platform game character that you don't want to die. My face is smiling, that's how they program me these pixels they are dying the world disappears slowly dust fills the cartridge jungles and mountains disappear here, 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 here. i try to jump onto a ledge but it's no longer there no one plays this anymore no one plays this anymore Uh-oh, oh, no one My friends and my enemies, they all went first, leaving me all alone on the screen. Walking through empty landscapes, remembering what we had been. It used to be bright, the music didn't stop, and if you died, you just got up again. And I didn't realise that things could change, that the game would ever really end. The space is making everything glitch I'm separated forever You can't control me anymore This is the last platform I cannot jump This is the last platform The name of the game, soon you will forget me too, you'll put me away, because I don't work, and you have new and better things to use, things that don't age and don't break, things you think will last forever, but listen to me learn from my fate, they said the same things about me, however, no one plays this anymore. so this is the part of the show where the background theme for the end of the show starts i like to comment on these things as they happen so yes do you remember at the beginning when i was talking about money it's a disgusting thing money it's really a big tragedy Uh, it's been a big tragedy in my life the last couple of years because i have none of it Uh, if you'd like to help that out Please put some money in the box. Uh, in fact, my hat, which has been taken off me, uh, you can put some money in that. Pay what you think that the show deserves. Uh, if you can't afford to pay what the show deserves, then pay uh, like with promotion. We're telling people about it. Tell people what we're doing. And there's a podcast, so tell people to listen out for the podcast. Give us some Ed fringe reviews. Hashtag tragic moments. And you can find out all of our lineup for an entire Edinburgh run at www.standuptragedy.co.uk. Now, as I sing louder than my own voice, to myself, the tragedy is over. You've been a great audience. Thank you very much.